Five, four, three, two, one. The players are here, the fans are here, and so are we, so let's do it. It's ABL Shootaround with Chuck Schreiner and Scott McKinnon. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Episode 7 of Shoot Around, burning the embers of the 2018-19 ABL season, dousing the flame of perhaps the most exciting final series ever, and putting to bed a season that had something for everyone. Chuck Schreiner and Scotty McKinnon here in the living room, bringing it your way, and Scotty, an unexpected and a surprising season with two finalists who few people would have picked to be there a month ago. Now, just breaking it down for you people that haven't been keeping up with it, maybe you've been on a different planet. Maybe you don't care. Well, here's for those people right now. <laughs> the Knights uh, from CLS beat the uh, surprising Saigon Heat 2-1 in the quarterfinals. Then they came back and beat the team, the odds-on favorite by a lot of people, some basketball aficionados, defeating Mono Vampires, who were the 8th seed but perhaps had the best starting five in the whole tournament. They beat them two games to one, and then that brought on the Singapore Singers. On the other side, the Ball of Singers defeated Macau. Very lucky to get past Macau, a 81-79 game at the OCBC Arena, uh, prevailing in that series two games to one. Then a surprisingly easy time with Hong Kong, including one blowout at their place and uh, defeating Hong Kong two games to nothing. And that brought on uh, the CLS Knights. So they played each other four times during the regular season. Scotty splitting those four games, each team defeating uh, their rivals at their place and at home. So everything to play for, two games apiece, going into the finals. And then after that, uh, splitting the first four games. Again, the same recipes they followed in the regular season uh, meetings, each team defeating each other on their own home court and away. So that uh, brought us to Game 5, Scotty. Well, and you couldn't have asked for a better matchup in Game 5 there, Chuck. The, the drama and the, the climax of the ABL, the ninth ABL season, was unbelievable. Like you said, Game 5, a clash of offense, uh, CLS's potent offense versus the unbelievable and stifling defense of the Singapore Slingers. And Game 5 was everything you expected and more. And um, it was just a really fun event to be at as far as being part of the Singapore basketball community. And, and it was competitive. And for, like I said before, for 34 minutes of that basketball game, the Singapore Slingers controlled the pace, they controlled the tempo, and it looked like they were going to be successful. But, wow, CLS Knights, talk about grit and perseverance, Chuck. Yeah, and setting it up for the fans' point of view, they had to bring out Scotty an extra 273 seats to go Beautiful on the stuff. opposite end. So that's a, a total of over 560 seats that they had to add to uh, the place already. I've seen some panoramic pictures of the place, and it looked awesome. It was rocking and rolling. Of course, we were too busy to notice that that much. But I'll tell you right now, people out there, uh, it was like a magic atmosphere in there. A small it, section of a small, very vibrant section of CLS fans behind their bench, but uh, most everybody pulling for the Singapore Slingers. And Chuck, have you ever seen that before? Because you've, you've been announcing the Slingers for what nine seasons now. Nine, have nine season, yeah, yeah. I've never seen that before. I've never seen an atmosphere like that before. Now I have seen crowds as big, but remember, they used to play in the indoor sea, uh, stadium, which was a uh, you know a fifteen thousand foot behemoth that uh, you could bury three or four thousand people in that venue and never know that uh, you had a crowd at all. 
But uh, if you're talking about basketball savvy sort of fans at Singapore, you know, they have matured just like the rest of the league. And uh, these fans, it was great to see a, a great mix of uh, locals and expats shouting in unison together for their slingers to finally bring it off. Remember, this is their third trip to the top of the mountain in four years. So the betting man would say that the slingers would have a uh, better than even break in this game. And their fan, you know, with their fans, if you say that the uh, home court advantage, at least at OCBC Arena or, or any other place, unlike Surabaya, which is probably worth more like 12 points, you think that, well, they've got an eight-point bulge as far as uh, fan support and home court advantage. And uh, all, all, the, all the weather bells uh, were pointing to Singapore, really, Scotty. Yeah, and, and, and to talk about the game right away, Chuck, the S Singapore used that fan atmosphere and used that momentum to get off to a great start. And the person that I want to talk about right off the bat is Delvin Go. Uh, I, for one, was critical of Delvin's play in the three and a half games before game five and man did he answer the bell and man did he put me in my place uh delvin go is an abl local import candidate and i think a future abl local mvp uh 30 minutes, 9 to 13 from the field, 19 points, 11 rebounds, 9 offensive boards. And that's the stat that I'm going to stick on. It was his activity on the offensive boards. Anytime there was a shot that went up, he, no one could get a body to him and no one could create or match his physicality. And the amount of different tip-ins he had or extra possessions that he got for Singapore... Dang, uh, Delvin, go hats off to you. You showed your potential and you showed what you can be. And if he does that consistently, Chuck, that's an ABL MVP. Uh, maybe not even once, maybe a multiple ABL M local MVP there. Oh, without a doubt. And you look at the offensive rebound stats. They went all the way for Singapore, 18 to 5. And you said Delvin, go got nine of those. John Fields getting a big percentage of the other. But uh, I want to highlight uh, Mr. Jaron Young. Uh, he didn't start off well. He started throwing the ball away. In fact, there was a point in the game where Coach Nyo and MJ benched him for, for a period of time. He just seemed to be out of sorts. Maybe the moment was too much for him. But, man, when he got back into the swing of things, uh, he was another skyrocket for Singapore. And they utilized him in the second and third quarter when Singapore looked really for all the world like they were going to run away with the game. But going back to the stats, if you look at the rebounding edge, you know, Singapore with that 18-5 to on the offensive boards, 27-26. Uh, on the defensive board. So a, a big bulge for Singapore. That's something we would have expected when you look at the regular season. Singapore uh, out-rebounding the CLS Knights by plus five uh, uh, when they played each other four times and plus six uh, if you look at the league total. So I don't think that one was ever in doubt, but uh, you were absolutely right. The work that Delvin Go did, the anticipation that he had on the O-boards and the follow-up shots that uh, we saw him, the up and ins that he did, he must have had three of those in the first half. Yeah, and, and, and it looked like a great start for the Slingers from that perspective. Delvin Gold, the locals playing well, the imports kind of coming into their uh, their niche. And, but for CLS Knights, the person I thought who kept them in the, the game in the first half was Brandon Jawado. The, the local Hawaiian Indonesian, he was spectacular. 16 points, 6 to 13, 5 to 8 from the field, but it was his timely buckets when... Whenever it felt like CLS was struggling, uh, Brandon Jawada would hit a three or he'd get an N1 or he'd get to the rim or he'd get a dunk or he'd get a stealer. And I really admire this guy because he's, he's really fearless. He is game for the moment. And you can kind of see it in the way he warms up. You can see it in the way that he uh, delivers the performance at the right time. Chuck, this guy is a gamer, and he's going to be a, a very talented individual to watch here in the future in Asia, especially in the Indonesia as far as the ABL as well as the IBL. Now, with Singapore getting off to the quick start, in fact, they led by as many as 10 points in the early goings because of uh, who you said, uh, Delvin Go. Um, they needed a hero, and, and Brandon Jawado was that hero. He stepped up big time for the Knights, and it's 
little bit uh, you know, ironic that, uh, you know, we talk about all the imports, Doug Herring, Daryl Watkins, uh, you know, Maxi Esho, and then Xavier Alexander Fields, and of course, Jaron Young. But it was the two locals that provided the fireworks early on for both these teams. Yeah, and, and the cool thing is, Chuck, I had a friend mention this to me before. He said, in the games that really, really matter, the local, or sorry, the imports are going to perform. That's their job. They're professionals. They are, they are going to perform, and they're going to essentially cancel each other out. And what he was saying, and he made a really good point. He said, who's going to win this game are the locals. It's going to be who's going to step up for what team and who's going to make the big plays when it matters for what teams. And I, and I just think that Delvin Go and Brandon Zawato in those first halves really uh, decided the impact as well as the flow or the tempo for each of their basketball teams. Yeah, and now let's talk about the play of Maxi Eschel in the first half or the lack thereof of Max Yesho. He's a guy who averaged over 21 points a game against these same Singapore singers. But, uh, uh, Scotty, it looked like Singapore had him pretty much in check for much of the first half. Yeah, and the thing that I think that Maxi didn't do in the first half that he did do in the second half was he settled. He settled in being a perimeter basketball player. And the advantage that he had over Xavier Alexander, Alexander is he has two or three inches as well as maybe 15 to 20 pounds. And in that second half, there was a possession before the end of the first half where he put his head down, he shouldered Xavier off, and he finished at the rim. And I kind of think that that momentum went into the second half there. And everything for him was towards the rim to start that second half, whether it was from the perimeter on dribble drives or whether it was from the post where he would back him down with his hip and his shoulder and up and under. The next time it was a step right through to the rim. And I just think that he made the decision, I'm going to be in attack mode in this second half. And it was to the tune of, what, 23 points in that second half, Chuck? Yeah, three points in the first half, 23 points in the second half. He also kicked in with eight rebounds. Uh, Maxi Esho came as advertised in, the, in that final stanza, especially where they really needed him. Uh, another matchup that uh, you know, deserves a, a little look back at is on the low blocks. What about the play of John Fields vis-a-vis Daryl Watkins? Well, in, and that was a huge matchup going in because in game one, uh, Watkins outplays Fields. CLS wins. Game two and three, Fields outplays Watkins. Singapore wins. Game four, Watkins outplays Fields. So it was kind of a barometer for who was going to win the game is who won that matchup in the middle. And it it was a very exciting one of two physical beasts who just went at each other relentlessly. Yeah, that first half especially, it looked like John Fields was getting a little bit the better of uh, uh, of uh, Daryl Watkins. But uh, Daryl Watkins, as, as he's prone to do, picked up his game big time in that second half. Uh, a couple of the role players that uh, before we get, get on with, uh, you know, what actually happened uh, quarter by quarter. Doug Herring, uh, again, he was a guy that didn't really show that much in that first half, Scott. He finished with 18-7-7. Seven, and seven. But this is a guy who, who, a lot like Xavier Alexander, is a threat for a triple-double every time he steps out on the court. Yeah, the Knights uh, seem determined uh, to show themselves defensively more than offense, and I think that's the reason why their offense suffered a little bit in that first half. They were determined that Singapore was not going to get any room inside, and Doug Herring also helped inside, and uh, that's a position that we don't normally see him in, but his helping defense was instrumental in keeping Singapore at bay in the sense that they couldn't get above a 10-point lead. Singapore, if you remember a couple times, threatened to run away with the game, but uh, Doug Herring on his helping defense, whether it was with Watkins, whether it was with Jawado, and Jawado also a, a key to that form as well, or Maxi Esho, they really uh, doubled down on their defense in that first half. Yeah, and, and, and Chuck, you said it about Heron. Heron has basketball IQ. He just has pedigree and basketball IQ. The guy knows how, how to play the game. And the biggest example of that for me is 204 left in the third quarter. Freaking Doug Heron picks up his fourth foul. And you, me, and Marco Benitez are saying, get him out of the game. 
This you, you can't have Doug Herring, the most influential ball handler on your team, foul out in the third quarter with 204 left. And Herring stayed in. And did he pick up another foul? He did not. Played the rest of the game without picking up a foul because he is so intelligent. He played defense when he needed to. And he showed his hands when he needed to. And he didn't foul. And he made really good basketball decisions. And it was just amazing to see him stay away from that, but also stay aggressive. What did he finish with? He said 18-7-7, right? 18-7-7. And, and ditto to Maxi Escho, who picked up his fourth foul, you know, in the opening stanza, or, sorry, in the opening minutes of the fourth quarter. Yeah, and, and for both of those guys, and I think that's where the, the Slingers missed the boat a little bit. They needed to attack both those guys, Doug Heron and Max Escher, especially when they had four fouls there. And there's so much time left in the game. And a few possessions in a row, they shot threes, where we would have thought, let's get to the rim, let's play to your strength, play inside, play in the paint. But um, credit to Escher and Heron. They were smart. There's one uh, possession down the stretch in the end of the game where uh, Jaron Young splits the pick and roll and he gets to the rim and he goes right at Esho trying to pick up that foul and Esho steps to the right, hands directly up in the air and all of a sudden Watkins come over, comes over and drills Young and, and Esho just did a fantastic job of staying away from that fifth foul. Yeah, absolutely. Both those guys did and we want to talk about some of the, the, the key points in the game and uh, you and I both talk, you know, with Singapore with that 10-point lead less than a second to go or two seconds to go, 2.4 seconds, I, I believe, to go in the second uh, quarter. The ball third, is kicked third, out to third all quarter, people, yeah. to all people to have the ball with the time running out beyond the arc, Daryl Watkins. What's he do with the hand in his face? He freaking drills it. Yeah, and how many threes has he made up to that? In the end of the third quarter, how many threes has he made in this in the playoffs up to that point? Yeah, I wouldn't have known that, Scotty, but you told me zero. Zero, and he nails the one that uh, trims the lead from 10 to 7, and now going into the fourth, CLS has all the momentum. And you know Coach Brian Rousen is playing off of that, right? We're here, boys. They haven't knocked us out. We're here, we're here, we're here. This is attainable. This is, this is winnable. And he does a really good job of just keeping his, uh, a calm, cool demeanor the entire game, and I think his team is reflecting of that personality, eh, Chuck? Yeah, absolutely. If we look at the stats going down the line, I mean, it just points real big to a Singapore win. First of all, of course, for the umpteen time, 18-5 to five on the offensive board. Singapore controlled that. Blocks 5-3 to three in favor of Singapore with John Fields, who led the league in block shots. Check out the assist, 17-10. to 10. A big bowl for Singapore. Even turnovers, uh, you know, usually highlighting that who's going to win the game, especially when uh, the last game of, of, of most finals that we see at any level is going to go to the team that, that makes the fewest mistakes. Not so in this game. Yeah. CLS with 13 turnovers, yeah. Singapore with 10. Yeah, and, and, and Chuck, we talked about this multiple times during the game, and, and you made really good points. I know you're a boxing fan, right? So the, the, the analogy that I kept on thinking in my head is like a championship fight where – the first boxer wins round one, two, three, four, five. And he's winning convincingly. But all of a sudden, he loses six. Seven is debatable. Loses eight, nine, and ten. And now there might be a round or two difference going into the championship rounds. And those guys get tight. And you could see the sling Singapore Slingers in that last six to, uh, six to five minutes start to get tight and start to feel the pressure of CLS, who is now playing with house money, as Coach Brian Relson said. And they were free. They were confident. Guys catching the ball, looking to score, and it, it became very worrisome going throughout those last kind of four or three minutes. Yeah, uh, the seven minutes ago, Singapore had that 10-point lead, and it looked to me, Scotty, that uh, when they started kicking the ball out, and they did, to their credit, they did have the open shots. I think their mentality was all we needed to do is stick one three, yeah, and they that will be shot. the dagger. Yeah, 13-point lead with under six minutes to play. It ain't happening. They're not coming back. at us, But they could not stick that three. Yeah, and, and, and Hanbin at, uh, I think it was like early seven minutes of the fourth quarter, 
they got a transition break and he trailed and he had a wide open three with 7.15 left and just missed it and that would have made it 13. And they were one shot away from from kicking it up into the teens in those seven minutes and one shot away in the last three or four minutes to making it a two-possession game. And they just couldn't make that shot. And sometimes that life, uh, that's basketball. Yeah, and if we look at the three-point shooting throughout the game, CLS a sparkling 8 of 21 for 38%. Singapore a dismal 3 of 16 for 18.7, Scott. And there, right there, if you're going to point to any other stat, and, you know, we've gone up and down in Singapore with a big lead on all those. Shut up, Bosco. 38% to 18.7%. And that, at the end of the day, Scotty, was the, uh, the uh, staff that mattered the most. Yeah, and, and, and you said it, right? You said three-pointers, Chucks. And I think the thing that hurt them was there was two wide-open three-pointers that happened in the last 90 seconds, and they happened to CLS's two best three-point shooters. So Max Yesho steps up on an offensive rebound tap-out from Daryl Watkins with, I think, I don't know, 90 seconds left, and he cans a three-pointer to tie the game at, I believe, 79 or something like that. And then the Wong Wei Long three, oh, that, that, yeah. that that dagger. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was the one. And, and I hark back to a couple of plays. that You said that John Fields finger roll that just went off to the right a little bit. He was a little bit too strong, tried to be a little bit too finesseful with it, I think. Yeah, and it was a good shot. Yeah. But it, he just, just, just didn't he, – he right, he, he finessed it. And, and what about that play with, uh, with um, Jaron Young underneath the basket, camped out just a little bit too deep. He had it. He tried the pump fake. Max Eschel didn't go for it. Another opportunity right there to put the game away, to salt, put the game away, to salt it away for Singapore. And Jaron Young usually has money on that. Yeah, and, and, and that's kind of the name of the game down the stretch there. And I think that um, Singapore just, like you said, got a little, we, like we said, we got a little tight. And they just needed one shot. They needed one sh- shot or one stop. And um. Coach Brian Rousen, you have to give him credit. What he's done with that organization, and I also think he made some really key adjustments down the stretch. I think going zone in the last six minutes in a tight basketball game where Xavier Alexander is just killing them in the lane and he's getting to the rim where whenever he wants, he sticks Daryl Watkins on the rim, and now he's saying other guys have to make shots. And Larry Liu, 640 left in the fourth. He picks up his fourth and fifth foul in the same possession. So now one of your eager shooters, your active shooter, someone who wants to shoot the basketball in a, in a pressure situation is sitting on the bench. Yeah. It got really tight for Singapore there. And, and Brian Rousen made those, those adjustments, and you have to give him credit for it, and keeping Herring in. Oh, I was doubting him when he did that. Yeah. To have the trust in your, in your superstar to be able to be intelligent enough not to pick up that fifth foul, yeah. dang. Yeah. Yeah, we all looked at each other, uh, Scott, and we saw when Herring picked up that fourth foul. You know, you could so, sort of see the, f- the fat lady warming up to sing. And, uh, of course, uh, Coach Rousem, as you say, Scotty, and my nomination for Coach of the Year, kept his uh, troops cool under fire. Remember, you've got all those fans uh, screaming down your throat. Every, referee, every referee's decision has yeah. been questioned uh, for somehow they kept it together in the last six or seven minutes. And as you said, Scotty, Singapore – you know, they had the lead for 34, 35 minutes of the game. You've got to be leading at the end, and that's where, uh, you know, that's where the, uh, the shine went off the Singapore Singers game, uh, even with all those intangibles that they had going for them, even with the best defense in the league. Uh, as Marco Benitez said, you know, if, uh, if CLS scores in the 80s, it's going to be tough for Singapore to win the game. And, and, and at the end of the day, uh, that fortune-telling sort of uh, premise uh, turned out to be true. Yeah, and, and it just came down to then, like you said, Marco said if it's in the 80s, it's going to be a CLS win, and that's what happened. And the, but the way, that, the way that it happened, oh, that hurt. It hurt. It hurt from a Singapore perspective because 
long way long. Like you, you've cheered for him for years. I've cheered for him for years. And you called it, Chuck. You you said when he was subbed into the game, he was subbed in late. The ball was almost put in when Rousen went down and grabbed him. So I, I, I'm, I'm going to talk about that play in a second. But you, you knew it. You saw it coming. Well, he's been doing it for years. He's been, you know, he'll be the sort of guy that he'll miss four or five shots in a row. He's not known for his defensive prowess. He's not in the game to play defense. He is short, you know, six feet tall, close to the ground. He does have that going for him. He can move off of one foot pretty well. He can still accelerate at the age of 30 years of age. But by and large, he's in the game to do exactly what he did, is to hit you with a big shot at the inopportune time if you're on the other team, the opportune time if it's you. Rousen called the play, and uh, I'll let you go through it. But it was a, it was a classic. Yeah. Do you, do you, th- you think Rousen called it? Well, that's what, uh, he, I, I, what you know, we, uh, we, we shot a couple texts back and forth, and Brian did say, you know, by the way, I did go, actually it was an email. He says, I did call that play for him to rub off the screen and get uh, over the other brilliant. side. I didn't think anybody was going to pull him over there. At the end of the day, he was correct. Yeah, so, so, so it, it looked like what happened was they put, they put the players on, the guys are on the court, and it's Sandy, Kinarwan, and not a uh, long way long. Then all of a sudden, Browson runs back. He, uh, Rousing runs back. He grabs way long and way long's in the game. And, and coach Neil and coach Johnson made a great sub as well. They put Desmond O on him who Desmond O has shut down long way long. He's done a really good job on him, held him to half his, he's averaged five points in the finals, averaged 10 all year long. And, but what a brilliant play. So they have, a, a little of the big screen action. So they have Wong way long set a back screen on Maxi Escho. And generally as a, a de- tra- traditionally defensively, what you do is the guy who's guarding the screener, Desmond O goes below it and bumps the person, Maxi Escho, the MVP candidate, one of the best players in the league. And Xavier Alexander, who's guarding Escho goes over the top of the screen and gets back to his body right away. And so the reason you do that is so that Escho can't get Xavier on his back. Um, but what, what it looked like what uh, CLS and what Brian Rosen did was they had, they faked the back screen, they set the pin down on Desmond O, and all of a sudden, way long, or long, way long, and did you see how excited he was to shoot that? He came off of that down screen skipping. He turned his feet, amazing footwork from a shooter's perspective, and he shot it. And you can see when the ball's in the air, he is already hopping back because he knows that thing's in. He knows he has a good, confident release on it, and... What a shot by Wong Wei Long. Yeah. What it, a shot. Yeah, instead of coming off that screen and going straight up to the top, or as you might expect him to, or maybe flash through to take yeah. the defender with him to yeah. free up somebody like Esho, he darts, as you say, Scotty, over to the opposite side. And uh, his eyes were as big as pinballs by the time he got that ball. It was nothing but a catch-and-shoot situation that he's been in time and time again in shots that he's knocked down, you know, 10, 12, 15 different occasions for Singapore. A lot of times you look in the box score, you say, Wang Wei Long, he's only got six points. But you have to look a little bit deeper. When did he hit those shots? And uh, the, the game winner, more to the point, uh, that is typical Wang Wei Long, and that's what he's been doing. Yeah, and, and the degree of difficulty of that basketball shot, Chuck, like you said, uh, Wong went long. The last shot he took in that game was an air ball three in the third quarter. He got subbed out of the game in the first minute of the fourth quarter, I believe. First minute of the fourth quarter. Yeah, you're right. Which means that, so for 10 minutes of playing time, probably about almost 25 minutes of real time, he's sitting on the bench thinking, and then for him to come into the game and hit a three-pointer to win the championship against his former team and his former gym after being sitting on the bench for 25 minutes when his last shot he made was, or last shot he took was an air ball and he hasn't played well that well in the series. Like, like how you have to credit this guy. He has guts and you called it and, and I didn't see it coming and what it just, it's amazing. It's it's a real, it's a real basketball shot from a real 
talented and tough kid. Yeah, well, the only reason for him to come in the game in that situation is to have the possibility of him doing just that. Now, uh, did CLS have other uh, options right there? Not really. Xavier Alexander did a great job. Yeah, and, okay, and John job. Fields yeah. and Jaron Young and company did a great job of coming up and, and putting a stranglehold on any, uh, uh, you know, any possible play that was going to be coming out. But CLS had to have a bucket then. They had to have CLS or they had to have Wang Wei Long hit that shot or they lose that game. I firmly believe that. Scotty, a little bit lost in the shuffle. It was a magnificent game that yes. Xavier Alexander oh. have. 23-12-10, a triple-double in perhaps his last game donning a Singapore Singers jersey. Yeah, and, and Chuck, I think we're, we, we waited to talk about him because we want to talk about him for a while, right? The, it, it, congratulations to CLS Knights. The, congratulations to Maxi, Maxi Escho on the MVP. Congratulations to them winning the ABL. They deserve this game. They, they, they won this basketball game fair and square, and so we, we humbly and unsatisfactory tell them, well done. Big championship, great job to you guys. But Xavier Alexander was everything. And he did everything that he does every single game for the Singapore Slingers. He had a triple-double. He filled all the stat sheets. He guarded the other team's best player all game long. And the thing that I liked is with about two minutes left in the game, he kind of saw the game going the opposite way. And he said, you know what, I'm going to take over this game. And he tried to get to the rim once, and he finished. And he went to the rim the other time, and he drew a foul. And I, I thought that that was a shooting foul. I thought he should have been at the line, but he wasn't. And, but you, you could see he wasn't going down without a fight, and he wasn't going down without the ball in his hands. And as a competitor and as a basketball player, you can respect that, right? Yeah. I think that what the referee's uh, uh, thoughts on that was, well, they didn't want to be the ones that were going to – intercede and, and determine the, uh, the, 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 the final outcome of the game. So they didn't call the foul yeah, that's a couple fair. of times. Uh, you know, Alexander went down hard. Jaron Young also, I thought, was uh, you know, bushwhacked a couple of times and, and never, never got a, you know, a foul. Of course, uh, Jaron does have a, a tendency to go down at the, at the sleight of hand. But uh, I, I felt that there were three or four fouls. And, and maybe on the other side of the ball as well that uh, the referees could have interceded. They chose not to. They wanted these uh, valiant players, all of them on the court, to, the, to, to you know, be in control of the outcome of the game, not themselves. And you really can't blame the referees for that. No, no, you're right. You're right, Chuck. And, I, and, and so, CLS 2019 ABL champion, yeah. fan, fantastic job. Uh, yeah. I don't know really what else to say. They, they beat the Singapore Slingers. They deserve all the glory and everything that they have, and um, they deserve to celebrate. And, and that fan base has wanted a championship, and, and they're passionate, and they've got it. Well, you know, just talking or, or texting to, to MJ, you know, he's got to feel bad. I mean, he's built, to me, the most solid organization oh. in the league. I mean, San Antonio at, you know, Spurs. Absolutely. And, you know, four or five years ago, if you look at the fan base, uh, even if it was a final game, you'd be lucky to get seven or 800, maybe 1,000 people there. But uh, not only that, they really didn't know the game of basketball. And you look what well, we, said, we witnessed uh, a week ago. Uh, a lot of that is, uh, you know, because of the work of uh, Coach Nyo and MJ, building the organization from the grassroots up, getting the, uh, the right mix of uh, expats and local guys that can do the job are not going to be seeing Ung Han Bin anymore. That's sad because uh, in a lot of ways he had, uh, he, he had a, a terrific playoff sequence. Uh, he didn't step up every single game, but uh, he did what he could. Last Larry two months, Lou he was great. Well. Yeah, yeah, Larry great, Lou as well. Great. You know, you put him on a tough – you put him on uh, Herring, and Herring – Admittedly, from time to time, would turn him inside out, but uh, he was gutsy till the end until he fouled out. Yep. That definitely took some uh, of his offensive prowess away because the fact that he was having to guard uh, a guy the statue of, of Herring. Uh, but uh, the Singapore Slingers, uh, you know, these last few years, you know, uh, especially with Xavier Alexander, 
Uh, and, and again, we don't know if Xavier is going to be coming back or not. We'd love to see him back. He's still got a lot of basketball in him. He's only 30 years of age. He's got two, maybe three high-class years still left in the ABL. Uh, I'm, I'm sure the other leagues around have taken notice of that as well, yeah. namely the PBA. Who, yeah. That's where John Fields is going to be going to. We don't know if we're going to be seeing him. We don't know the status of Jaron Young. We're starting all over, and that's the sad part with Singapore. You know, this is the third time they've been up to the top of the hill and fallen just a little bit short. Last year they got as far as the quarterfinals, and then uh, Alab uh, took them down a notch. But the year before that and the year before that, Hong Kong, Malaysia – so, uh, you know, you don't want to get the reputation of a team that makes it to the final dance and can't, uh, and can't follow through. But, my goodness, look at the culture of basketball that has changed here in Singapore. Uh, you know, the, the fans, the, uh, the, the marketing finding of the team, the quality of players that they get in, yeah. the way the players have embraced the community, as you said a, a lot of times. I can't say enough for the organization of Singapore Singers. And they are winners. I mean, they have nothing to be ashamed of. No other team in the league has been to the finals three out of the last four years. Yeah, and, and, and Chuck, that's – Exactly right. And, and I, I, let's, start, let's start talking about the singers for next year because I think that they have a great opportunity to be successful again. Like you said, they're the most consistent franchise in the ABL. And they're consistent for a few reasons. They're consistent because the, from top down, the organization is run really, really well. Very, very professionally. Um, I also think it's the locals are a huge asset. And, and, and I'm extremely proud of locals for a couple of reasons. The first reason I'm extremely proud of the locals is that there's only a couple full-time employees on that team. Uh, a lot of these guys have other jobs. They're not full-time professional basketball players. Yeah. And uh, unlike the Philippines, like guys like the Philams, like Ethan Alvano and uh, some of those other guys, or Brandon Rosser, like... Their job is to be a basketball player. They're living in the nicest department in Fort Bonifacio. They're working out at Cary Sports. They, they, their job is to only be a basketball player. I, I believe out of the locals, only two or three of them are full-time employees. And that comes with a lot of community work as well. So these guys are busy, busy guys. A, a great story that Marco Benitez told me was he said that, uh, he said that walking into game five, he came in and Russell Lowe was walking beside him and Russell Lowe had a briefcase in his hands and he was coming from work. He looked like, I don't know if this is official, this is true, but he said he looked like he was coming from work. Oh, I, I don't doubt that at all. You know, Delvin Go and a lot of these guys, remember Singapore uh, has national service, so, you know, we've lost guys through the years that uh, have never really rebounded from those two years that they've lost. Larry Liu is one of them. Uh, and, you know, guys that have just sort of left, left the scene for one reason or another, you know, uh, Wu Chin Day, who, who was a, a, a brilliant basketball player and, uh, you know, one injury after another plus national service. Uh, what about Quek? Uh, you know, oh. Leon Quek. I mean, uh, he was, he was a, a can't-miss guy a couple of years ago. He was shooting the lights out, and everybody thought that he was going to be, you know, the next uh, big local Singapore player. But after the dust all uh, settles, uh, who, do, who do we have left that really – you know, that we can count on, especially with the retirement of Ung Hong Bin. And I think he's retiring from the ABL. I don't, I don't know if he's retiring from the national team scene, but uh, he seemed to be, uh, yeah, you know, this is pretty much it this year. So, you know, what, what are we left with? Well, Delvin Go, and that's a good starting, you know, piece and, and very, uh, very unusual for, for, for the leader of your, your local guys to be a big, but uh, there you go. I mean, Delvin Go seems like he's been around forever, but like he's not even 24 years of age yet. Oh, he's amazing. And he is going to be, like you said, Chuck, this guy is a potential local MVP candidate. So if we're talking about the Slingers next year, like I, I, I love, I love their makeup. I, I, I go out and, and if I'm them, I, I, 
get a physical big like John Fields. I would love to see John Fields back here again next year. I go get in the X-Man. The X-Man needs to be here. He is in the, the tough thing for Singapore is he's going to be a hot commodity now. Yeah. And, and they don't realize that, that like you said, X, uh, he's 30. I believe he has four or five prime years left. And, and then 34, 35, 36, it's really tough because these guys don't get the load management stuff like the NBA players. X plays 40 minutes a game for Singapore, and the next conference he plays in the next country he plays, those guys are going to grind him as much as possible because they want to win. There's no thought process of, oh, I don't want to work, I don't want him to work too hard because of the Singapore Slingers. They want to win in that conference, in that country, in that place. And so these global nomads that you talk about, it's a tough gig. So I, I you, X needs to make some cash, and X needs to, to it, he, he has to look out for himself and his family, team number one. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, the PBA might be a soft landing place for him because he would get the cash there. He's 6'5". He can play number three. He can play the number one. Uh, he's a hot commodity now. I haven't really, to be honest with you, heard any rumors except for one that he has talked for some, to some people in the PBA. Uh, John Fields, that's pretty much a, a no-brainer. He's yeah. going to go there. But, uh, you good know, fit for John Fields. Yeah, good fit. It's a, it's a physical lead, uh, league, and uh, he's a fan favorite. Uh, he can sort of be the WWE bad guy, good good cop, bad <laughs> cop. Sort of, he can sort of take the mantle of the bad cop, if you will. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the fans sort of love that. Uh, he does have an outsized personality like a couple of the other Alab Filipinos. He would also be a good fit on the Alab team. So I don't know if they're going to be bringing him back. But uh, w w the good job that MJ and company have done down there is, you know, you can win this league if you've got a good one, a good three, and a good five. You, yep. need, you need that good point guard. There's no substitute for a good point guard. Tyler Lamb and company, they don't grow on trees. So to move Xavier Alexander in that spot and say, okay, we're going to bring in a really athletic guy, this Jaron Young, and we believe that he has the same hops as you. In fact, he's probably a little bit more athletic than you, but he might not have the consistency. They were spot on with that, uh, that, that pick that selection, and then John Fields, give me a big that can rumble downstairs. You know, a little bit uh, the anti-Justin Howard, if you will. Justin, yeah. who was a mainstay with this team for years, he got a little bit slow uh, once he hit his mid-30s. He wasn't able to run the court. Singapore wasn't really able to get into their sort of game style, uh, you know, out in the open court uh, with, uh, with Justin on the floor. But what a great uh, slinger he was. In fact, well, what do we need to talk about? He's the number two scorer all time in the ABL. So Justin Howard. Uh, but I, I, I think they're going to need somebody who's a little bit more nimble, somebody that can run the court uh, like a John Fields, so it'll be a John Fields type. Could it be a Daryl Watkins? Could it be somebody like that? Absolutely, but uh, definitely I, I'm with you on the same page. They need to get Xavier Alexander back in the Singapore red and white. Yeah, it has to happen. And, and if the Singapore community has to get involved, I think that's a good thing. I think he's found, found a home here as well, right? I think he really likes it here. I think there's kids that he teaches here. He's, he's a role model here. He's a hero here, and... And so I think that that is something that has to happen. From the local perspective, I really like the set of 3 and D guys we have. Um, it, it, Hanbin's going to be a big loss. I would love to convince Hanbin to continue to play because the last two months he was unbelievable. Um, one name that you mentioned, and I think this has to be a conversation, and I'd be willing to drive to this guy's house and pick him up and take him out for a cup of coffee, is Leon Quek. Yeah. Leon Quek, I, I saw a picture of him playing in Malaysia for a semi-pro team last weekend. I saw him in the front row for game five of the game. He is, he is a local MVP candidate. He is unbelievable. He plays for the national team, and he averages 10 points a game. This guy's a stud, and he's a 3 and D stud, and, and oh, I, I, he needs to be playing for the Slingers. I don't know how it's going to happen, but he has to. someone has to recruit him or get him out because that guy's a special basketball player. Yeah, Russell Lowe also. Hopefully he'll yeah, come well back. Uh, you know, he gives you the, the working class type of a – lunch bucket in hand, sort of 8 to 12 minutes a game. 
somebody gets in foul trouble, he's your man. Uh, he's only 6'5", but he's a broad body. Uh, he, his his uh, footwork is improved. Uh, he doesn't mind the physicality down low. He can play at the number four, the number five. Pretty good passer. You don't want him putting the ball on the floor, but that goes, you know, that's pretty much for every big man. So, you know, you've got those two guys, and I agree. If you can get Leon Quick back here, I don't know what his job status is during the day. I don't know if he's got, you know, a, a, a job somewhere where, uh, you know, I'm just pulling down too much coin to uh, – you know, to, to make yeah, the, and that's the, the, the that's Slingers my home. And, 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 you know, this is it. And, and that's it's it. a decision that yeah. uh, all these local players have to make, but especially the Singapore Slingers locals because sport is not treated, let's, let's be honest, straight up, sport is not treated and it's not elevated like it is in other countries, Scotty. Yeah, and it's expensive here, right? The, the, in the, some of the other developing countries, it's a lot easier to house people. It's a lot easier to pay their salaries. It's a lot easier to convince them to come in here and play basketball here. Well, when people have family businesses who they want them to work for, they, they they have other opportunities. The the living expenses here and are intense. These guys eventually have to make a choice, and it's not a reflection of the Singapore Slingers. It's a reflection of the city. That's right. And uh, it it's tough for them. Yeah. Though the other thing that I'm really proud about the locals this year, uh, Chuck, and I'll get this out off my chest quickly. But um, I I think Brandon Jawado is great for the league. I think Ethan Alvano is great for the league. I think Brandon Rosser is great for the league. Jenny Leung is great for the league. All these uh, local slash foreigners are fantastic for the league because it brings up the the quality of play. But I don't believe that those guys are a reflection of the grassroots systems in those countries. I don't believe that Brandon Jawado is a reflection of Indonesian Basketball Association because he did, he grew up playing basketball in Hawaii. He's Indonesian, and he should have the right to play basketball in that country because of his lineage and his ethnicity and his heritage. But these guys are all Singaporean. Yeah. And, and, and I know that because of NS and stuff like that, it chases other people away. But these guys are a product of all the basketball clubs here, SIGLAB. They're, they're a product of Android. They're a product of SAFSA. They're a product of all those different basketball clubs and BAS. And so I, I'm proud of that from a perspective of the local succeeding. Oh, absolutely. There's a couple guys on the current squad that I want to give a shout-out to that might have possibly a place on the team. Jun Lim, the 21-year-old, he's, he's a sort of a carbon copy of Desmond O, except a lot younger. He has a little bit more hops than Desmond at this point in his career. He just doesn't have the game experience, but he's a 5'8 guard, uh, defensive first type of guy that can uh, come into the game and uh, you know give you 5-10 uh, minutes off the, off the bench. Tay Din Loon, I know you know him. I uh, saw you shaking hands with him a couple of times. 24-year-old, 6 foot, I like 183 him, pounds. Uh, trying to develop himself into a shooting guard. But, uh, you know, it's very, very tough, especially on this team and, and the teams that since they've had a winning tradition the last four years, where are these guys going to get PT? So that is a dilemma. You know, you want to get these guys into the structure. Uh, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the Singapore uh, basketball defense first. Uh, then, we'll, then we'll, we'll scrap our way to win games offensively any way we can. These guys tend to fit that mold, but unless they get playing time, it's very, very difficult for them to progress as basketball players. Yeah, and, and I think both those guys have a ton of potential. And, and Ding Tae Loon can shoot it. He can really shoot the basketball. So he's a guy who could be a zone breaker. He's a guy who could come in and hit two or three, and he's not scared to shoot it either, which is a really good thing as well. And like you said, uh, June is, is a fantastic defender. He's just really quick and really strong and really live, and he's young and – I think Singapore basketball, from also from not only uh, a perspective of the Slingers, but from a national scene, is is they're going to be strong, and they have the Southeast Asian Games coming up. When right, Chuck? November, November, December? Yeah, yeah. And there's uh, there there. Well, we can talk a little bit later. Maybe that's for another show. But uh, what the yeah. prospects for the league are a little bit further on. Probably not appropriate to bring it up now. But you know, another guy, Kelvin Lim, only uh, twenty what twenty twenty one twenty two years of age, six three, hundred seventy six pounds, listed as a forward. He could probably more 
probably fit in more at a one or a two. But, yeah, as you're saying, you know, th- there are some guys out there that, that play in this local league. It's not the organized league that we'll see in, like, in Thailand or, yeah. or, or even uh, Indonesia. But, you know, they're toiling. Uh, you, like you say, when their jobs finish, uh, they exchange their tie and their suit jacket for, for uh, basketball shorts, and they get it on at night. But uh, there's just so many hours in the day. And, of course, as you said, Singapore, not the cheapest place in the world. In fact, rated, uh, you know, year after year, the most expensive city in the world to live in. <laughs> so what the in the world are they going to do that if they, the if they get out there in, in the, you know, in basketball world? And, you know, they're playing for low pay and they're having to supplement themselves by, you know, working very hard at the office. And, you know, you can bet just like any other boss, their boss wants their full attention during the day. They don't want them, you know, saying, well, you know, uh, sorry, boss, I got to go take a nap because I've got a big game tonight. That's not going to happen here in Singapore. Yeah, and, and yeah, you're, you're right there, Chuck. So, so, so Chuck, we, we've talked about the finals. We've talked about uh, Singapore. Uh, Singapore, obviously one of the best franchises in the ABL. Three of the last four finals, they're there. They haven't won. What do they need to do? What, that's the question right now. What is the change or what is the, what is the thing that they need to do to win the finals? Because that's the goal now. It has to be. Yeah, after being in the finals three or four years, you've been there. You, you, you need to win the championship in the next few years, and that's... What's, what's the difference? What's going to make that happen? Well, this year was our best chance to get it. I'm not so uh, sure that, uh, you know, the best team won, but uh, that's, that's my bias. But I think just follow the, 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 the same game plan. You know, if you're winning every year by having the best defensive team in the league, maybe you just need a little bit, more, a tad more offense. Uh, they, they have a player that's playing uh, in Malaysia right now. Yeah. He's by rights a Singaporean. But the guy that can come off the bench and hit the big three a long way long, except with a little bit more consistency and a guy that has some defensive chops as well, they're just a shot or two away from, uh, you know, being the team that everybody wants them to be. This year, you know, they, they froze up just a little bit. They came out of their game plan a little bit towards the end. Uh, I don't think that's anything that, 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 that you can pin on the coaches or the players. You know, they had that 10-point lead. They want to stretch it to 13. So just that one more player that they can get into the game that can hit the big shot at any given time. Yeah, and, and Chuck, I am 100% in agreement with that. I, I, all hands on deck. It has to be all hands on deck. And when I walked into that stadium and I saw Leon Quek sitting in the second row, that is a guy, that is a 3 and D guy who would play 25 minutes for them. And he's watching. And it, it broke my heart because that's the guy, that's a different, that's a championship right there. Yeah. If Leon Quek's playing in this, in this series, Singapore wins. And then you talk about Jonathan, who's, who's a scorer, and he's up in Malaysia. And I, ju- I just would love to see everyone have the opportunity. I know they can't control some stuff like NS as well as, as other jobs. And it's, dip more, it's way more difficult here in Singapore than other places. Yeah. But... Uh, all hands on deck. I think that that, that kind of has to be the model, that they they go all or bust. Okay, the Singapore Slingers, uh, they get it done. Uh, Organizational-wise, they fall just a little bit short uh, on the scoreboard, losing to the CLS Knights 84-81, Scotty. And before we put this baby to bed, is there anything else we need to come up with? Maybe the folks uh, uh, can take his final thoughts. Well, I just, just, uh, it was a tremendously fun season and I, and I enjoyed everything that we did, Chuck. I enjoyed meeting new friends through the Singapore Slingers basketball club. Uh, big congrats to CLS Knights. They deserved, they deserved to win the championship. Like you said, it doesn't matter how long you, le- you, you lead the game for it. It matters who it ends uh, up in the score and big cr- uh, congrats to coach Brian Rouston, who was tremendous this year. And like you said, c- should have the coach of the year. Yep. award and uh 
I'm just excited to continue to this and continue to support the Singapore Slingers and, and have fun with you, Chuck. Well, I'm sure that's what the organization is going to do. Right now, we're in licking our wounds mode, uh, as you can tell, a little bit uh, <laughs> wistfully <laughs> looking at what could have uh, been instead of uh, what is. But, uh, you know, like uh, every true fans, and we are true fans of the Singapore Slingers, and, we, and more than that, we're true fans of the ABL. What's good for the league, and this is just what the league needed. They needed an exciting down-to-the-wire series, decided on the last shot, uh, you know, that's what Marco Benitez said he wanted. That was his fond wish. Game five going down to a buzzer beater. Wasn't quite a buzzer beater, but uh, Jaron Young a little bit off balance on that shot, falling off to the right. CLS gathering the rebound, playing out the last couple of seconds. Singapore dejectedly walking off the court, and CLS, as has been their habit, oh, uh, coming from hurt. behind and uh, winning when everybody thought they had no reason to. But uh, there you are, the best team in the league this year, the CLS Knights, probably the best coach in the league as well. So it probably ended the way it should have, Scotty. Yeah. Yeah. You're right, Chuck. And that's how so I got it. I dejected, as you said. I'm hurt. I'm licking my <laughs> wounds. But uh, the right team won. They, they competed hard to the, to the end. Okay, so that's going to wrap it up for the ABL section of uh, Shoot Around 65. Now, guys, just because the ABL season's over, that doesn't mean we're done. Far from it. We've got the NBA coming up. We've got all sorts of other sporting activities. Of course, we're, we're partial to round ball. That is our DNA and our RNA. That is our, <laughs> our loyalty uh, to sport. But we've got other stuff to say, and we, want, and we want to thank everybody that's been with us. We've got a lot of followers now. A lot of new friends that we've just met or haven't met. We'll hope Definitely. to meet in the future. And we want to keep those likes coming in. We want to keep those follows coming in. Uh, again, you can catch us on Shoot Around 65. Uh, shoot us a message, a text. Uh, all the information is out there. Certainly listen to our, uh, our podcast. They're going to be coming at you uh, regularly. Uh, Scotty's got a dog in the, in the race as far as the NBA championships. Yeah, uh, go Raptors. Going, uh, the Raptors uh, taking down, dismantling the Bucks really today and hanging in there. So the yeah. that series at 2-2 is it heads back to Milwaukee for game uh, five. Then it's a 1-1-1 sort of a series. So if there is a game seven like it was in the ABL up in Milwaukee, and at some point, Scotty, uh, uh, the Toronto is going to have to win a game on the road, but that's a conversation <laughs> for a different time. They've got the Golden State Warriors waiting for them on the other side, fresh off of their beatdown. I mean beatdown of the Portland Trailblazers, four games to nothing without that guy named Durant. So oh. uh, a lot of things out there for whoever survives against Toronto and Milwaukee. Uh, then we'll be taking that up too. But, uh, Scotty, any last words before we, uh, we sign off? Uh, I'm good, Chuck. Okay, uh, for Scotty McKinnon, this is Chuck Schreiner, Shoot Around 65. We'll catch you later. Again, congratulations to the CLS Knights and the Singapore Slingers. Knights coming away with that 84-81 victory. Uh, Bye-bye for now.